he has never invited his daddy to sing a duet with him when I was in town. He hasn't invited his daddy. And so we made a rule, Brother Ryan, he's a deacon. You know, we honored him for his birthday today, so he's kind of a big deal. And uh, me and him just made a rule tonight that, that the next time your daddy comes, uh, y'all are going to do all the special music, all right? And uh, I like that. I love Brother Lee. He's my dear friend. He and Cheryl get to come out and see the kids. Uh, they live in Texas, and uh, they got these grandkids here in Florida. Then they got a whole other set in Baton Rouge. So they have to get around to see their grands, and always good. Lee Guffey um, is one of those men that uh, most of the world will not say, oh, I, I know the ministry of Brother Guffey. But if you know Brother Guffey and his ministry, you know that heaven knows Brother Lee's ministry. And a faithful, faithful bus captain, faithful, faithful bus director, faithful, faithful bus mechanic. And uh, literally now heaven, heaven will be the recorder of how many thousands of boys and girls came to church because Lee Guffey, Cheryl right beside him many times, most of the time, uh, got buses, bought buses, fixed buses, ran buses, helped bus workers. And uh, I'm, I'm over big names, uh, Dr. So-and-so and Dr. Bottle Stopper and all that, you know. Uh, I just thank the Lord for faithful men and women. And uh, I know this. He doesn't even know I know this. But I know for many years, uh, underpaid, not got what he deserved, but faithfully served. And I'm going to tell you, when you get to heaven, you're going to be behind a lot of people you don't know. Because they just serve the Lord in humility and quietness of heart, meekness of spirit. And I love, when Lee's here, I just preach better when Lee's here. He encourages me because of his faithfulness. Now, uh, we're going to get to 1 Thessalonians 5, but uh, I want to ask you a question. How many of you met, <clears throat> we had a ton, and I met as many as I could, but how many of you met a guest this morning? You met somebody that you did not know. Daryl, who, do you remember the name of the person you met? All right. Uh, do you, uh, Richard, who did you meet this morning? Who? Evan, Evan, all right, good. Ira, do you remember the name of the, your friends from Raleigh, all right, oh yeah, oh there they are, they're back there behind you, amen, Tar Heel Nation, all right, good. Rondell, okay, I met Rondell, now here's the deal with Rondell, uh, I don't think she's back tonight, uh, are you here, I don't see her, uh, this is how Rondell came to our church, Rondell and um, Beverly, Beverly were on What's that called where you're on a Facebook group together? The, what's that thing we're on, Valerie, in our neighborhood? Next door. There you go. They were on next door, and Rondell posted something, and some people kind of said some mean things. He just talked about his job, and they said some mean things about his job. And Beverly said, well, they shouldn't say that. And so she friended him, communicated, invited him to church, and then he sent her a picture of the bridge track because he had visited last week for Honor Our Heroes, and he came back today. And so that was awesome. I got to talk to Rondell. Uh, how many, who else met somebody? You met, uh, let's see, Bill, who did you meet? From Mexico, praise the Lord. Good. Uh, Ayla, who did you meet? Who? All right. Now, I met several. Okay, in the back, uh, Nia? Uh, not Rusty. Stan, Stan, there you go, yeah. All right, so I, I want to point out to you something. I met probably seven or eight folks this morning. I met a precious group of people from uh, the mainlands, from the mainlands. 
and they said, oh, we this, this is our new church. We love it. We're, we're going to be back. This is awesome. We're bringing our sister. She's been in Australia uh, since 1967. She met and married a lieutenant in the Australian Navy. They've settled in Australia. They're coming in town next week. He's now a third admiral. And I don't know what that translates to us, but that sounds pretty high up there. And he'll, she'll be here next We can't wait. And uh, we just and then the little lady that brought him, she came up and just said, oh, preacher, these are our neighbors. And we chatted. That happened to me probably five times this morning where somebody introduced me to a guest or friend, and I tried to, to, to meet as many as I could. Now, here's the next question. Out of all the folks that were already on our campus, already here, they're here, 1030 worship service, who did you invite to come one hour early to be in your Bible class? Who did you invite to come one hour early to your Bible class? The numbers have gone down tremendously since then. All right, Annabelle. Shay, I met Shay and her husband. Now that's a co-worker. Let me tell you how they got to church. Annabelle thought she recognized her on Facebook, so sent her a friend request. And the lady said, I have no idea who this person is, but she accepted it. True story. And uh, then they figured out they don't know each other, but they became friends on Facebook. And uh, then she came to church this morning, her husband and a little daughter that Maya was running around with. And uh, I talked to them for a long time out in the lobby this morning. And you invited them to, to your Bible class. Somebody's had their hand up. So, Miss Austin. They came, so, invite them on, on Honor Hero Sunday, and they came to class this morning. So, this morning, I've been working with a sweet couple. How many have met Justin and Sierra? You met Justin and Sierra. Just a beautifully sweet couple. Uh, and uh, I said, uh, we, we, Val and I went out to have a, a meal with them last week and just got their story. And boy, God's grace, what the Lord's doing in their life, bring them to our church through our Christian school. And uh, just amazing. And so I said, have you been saved? And, and Justin gave me a good salvation testimony. And, and Sierra, she's, she's close. She's right there. And I said, you need a good discipleship program you need to get in discipleship and uh, so I, I asked Mark and Stacy if they would get them in if they would start discipleship with them and they agreed and so they set that up for uh they got together today and set that up and I said now listen you two you might as well and I did this on purpose because I'm thinking right I said you might as well just go to Mark and Stacy's Sunday school class there's a ton of young families in there you'd fit in perfect you know what she said to me I ain't coming an hour early I got all these kids, and they got a passful of kids. Now, our Christian school is set for the next few years if they'll stay around. She said, what time do you want me to be here? All I said was, you ought to go to their Sunday school class, their Bible class. She said, what time? And then she said this, show me what room it's in so I know where to go. Now, I'm telling you, folks, they're already on the campus in the service. Most of them enjoyed it if they're sticking around long enough to, to, to talk a little bit. And then just say, hey, look, come to our Bible class. The only way we can really help people is to know people. The only Listen, we got to get past this run in and run out mentality. We got to get to where we're mentoring, that we're spending time with. Now, from there, how many of you took somebody new to lunch today or you set up a lunch today? See, I'm, I'm asking some questions for you to think because next week if I ask these questions, 
maybe we'll have some more answers, all right? And I asked two families to go to lunch, and both had said we already got other plans. So next week, what Val and I have decided is that Nicole is going to schedule uh, an after-church uh, lunch so that we don't have to find somebody. We'll just have a plan already. But if we don't meet people, we can never mentor them and help them. And You, you think everybody that comes to church is saved. They're not. Most of them are lost. But you'll never know that because they sing the little songs and they, they do everything you do and they, well, they must be saved. But if you don't ask them, and I just flat out at lunch, we had a beautiful lunch and talked about all the kids and how this all came about and what they did for a living. And then I just looked at them and said, Justin, do you have a salvation testimony? Oh, yes, sir, got saved and baptized in Mississippi, blah, blah, blah. He laid it out. And I said, Sierra, what about you? And she said, when I was a little girl, she said, I made a profession, but it, it wasn't real. She said, I know I need to do that. And I said, right, we can take care of that. Let's get on that. And so you'll never know unless you get out of your comfort zone and invite people. The work, my wife has helped me this more than anything. She, she's been such a blessing on things like this. But the worst thing they're going to say to you is no. And listen, no's not going to hurt you. Okay, and by the way, they might say yes, and you might just change their life and their children's life. All right, so let's let's be intentional. Uh, I, I hope that just like uh, with Miss Austin here, the work day, uh, get involved with people, go to dinner with people. Uh, the Harrises took us to dinner the other night. Man, we had the best time, and they're just learning about them, and hopefully them learning about us. And they stayed both services today, so we didn't run them off. Praise God! But uh, get involved with people's lives, and uh, go get a cup of coffee after church, or hang out in the in the coffee shop, or or have have a meal Ubered in. I don't care what you do. But uh, get where you're getting in with people, not just your, your clique or your crowd. I'm, I'm for friends and we need our friends. But uh, always be looking to incorporate new folks into your world and uh, then you can help them. And you find out, uh, ask them that question, have you been through an organized systematic discipleship program? If they say no, say, man, I, let's get preacher, Miss Nicole, we'll get you in. And uh, you might find out they need to be saved or baptized or any, any number of things. But you'll never know those things unless you ask, all right? How many of you promised me you're going to try to do better about that? Raise your hand. rest of you, a bunch of heathens need to do better, all right? Get involved with folks. Met, a, met several beautiful families. Uh, Nicole, what's the lady you're, you're, you're discipling with? Holler out her name, Caleb. Judy. Judy had a friend, Rachel, this morning. Did you meet Rachel this morning? Judy had a friend, Rachel, with this morning. Got to meet and talk to her. So uh, make connections. Make connections. And uh, by the way, young people, you make connections. As they bring in teenagers, you see a, a child or a teenager about your age, invite them to be with you for your uh, Bible class or youth activity or whatnot. Don't leave it all up to the pastor or to the Sunday school teacher. Get involved. All right, verse number, let's begin in verse number 16. 1 Thessalonians 5, and uh, these are easy. We've covered them all to this point. Let's say them together. Ready? Verse number 16, 1 Thessalonians 5. Ready? Begin. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the spirit. Despise not prophesyings. Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good abstain from all appearance of evil. Now, we've looked at each of these individually over the last five uh, weeks, tonight being number five, I believe. Uh, we talked about rejoicing evermore, praying without ceasing in 
everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And then quench not the Spirit last week. Now, all seven of these are intertwined. And really, all seven of these are the marrow and the root of the Christian life. Uh, the quote that we've been sharing week in and week out, uh, to, com- uh, to comment adequately on these diamond drops would be to outline a history of the Christian experience in its highest levels. If you are living these seven sentence sermons, you are really uh, living the highest level of Christianity. I mean, think about it. If you're rejoicing evermore, if you're praying continually without ceasing, if you're giving thanks, if you're giving thanks in everything. I I was uh, talking to uh, uh, Brother Mike this morning, and uh, we were talking about something. I turned to talk to another guest And uh, he was, in fact, talking to Annabelle's guest and said something about my wife just recently passed. And and most people, when you say, uh, my wife's passed, they immediately begin to console you. And Brother Mike said, oh, hey, listen, thank you, thank you, thank you. He said, "But, but this is the will of God. He said, this is God's hand, and we rejoice in it. Oh, my, that spoke to my heart. That spoke to my heart. Now, we look at these seven And we know they all are working together. Paul's really trying to encourage the the church here at Thessalonica. But these that we're dealing with right now are especially woven together. So last week we talked about quenching the spirit. Quenching the spirit. Now this week, despise not prophesying. Next week, prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. And then abstain from the appearance of evil. These three together here are especially close. Where we're talking about quenching not the spirit. And despising not prophesying. Proving and holding fast. These four of the seven all working together. But these four of the seven are especially close. Because we're talking about God working in your heart and life. Now I said this morning, I'll say it again. God wants to meet with us. God wants to meet. He wants us to come out of the camp and come to the mountain and have that face-to-face meeting. Uh, God wants to meet with me tonight. He wants to, even as I'm preaching to you, the Spirit of God is speaking to me. And God wants to meet with me and he wants to meet with you. Now, if we will listen, we will allow the Spirit of God to do his work. If we don't listen, what do we do? We quench the Spirit. We quench the Spirit. We, We put water on the flame. How does God speak to us? He speaks to us through his word. Despise not prophesying. Now I want to give you three very simple thoughts, and we'll be done in just a moment this evening. Number one, the authority of the prophesying. The authority of the prophesying. Now, when we hear the word prophecy, we immediately, many of us, most of us, our mind just clicks over to fortune-telling. Prophecy. Tell us the future. We want to know the events that are about to come. Uh, By the way, if I have a series on prayer, there'll be a very small crowd. If I have a series on prophecy, there'll be a very large crowd. Why? Because people want to know the unknowable. Now, if you'll study the Word of God, you're going to find something interesting. There is not a ton of the Word of God that deals with telling people the future. 
For example, you're not going to come to one of the Old Testament books and find out that uh, God says, now listen, uh, Isaiah, uh, you sow this seed and you're going to be a millionaire. You do this and you're going to do that. Now, there's a lot of general prophecy where God says, if you obey, I'll bless. If you don't obey, I'll bring a curse. There's a lot of general prophecy, but they're not specific prophecy. Who am I going to marry? Uh, what am I going to? Uh, that's not what the Bible's talking about. That's what the world talks about. It's not what the Bible talks about. So the idea of prophesying is not really the prediction of future events in the case of what are we going to deal with in the morning. The idea of prophesying is the proclamation and exhortation, encouragement from the word of God. Now, we don't have in this day and age prophets like we did before the completion of the word of God. These holy men of old were moved by the Holy Spirit and then Paul would pen a letter to the church at Thessalonica and the Holy Spirit would seal that letter and it would be a, a prophecy given by God to the church at large of what God is telling Paul to tell the people. But once John finishes the book of Revelation there on the Isle of Patmos, the word of God was complete and there was no need for further revelations or prophesying. By prophesying, Matthew Henry, great commentator of the past, by prophesying, Matthew Henry says this specifically about what Paul is dealing with in 1 Thessalonians 5. He says, we are here to understand the preaching of the word, the interpreting and applying of the scriptures. The preaching of the word, the interpreting and applying of the scriptures. Now, last week, don't quench the Holy Spirit. This week, don't despise the prophesying or the preaching of the Word of God. Why? Because the Word of God is given us by God through His written Word, by the power of His Spirit, for us to know what God wants of us and expects of us. How do I know the will of God? Live in the Word of God. How do I know what God wants for my life? Live in the word of God and daily as you walk in the word, God will reveal his will to you. It is not some go to some fortune teller. I've always wanted to. I've never had the courage to do it. I've always wanted to go up to a, a fortune teller and they're all over. They're all over uh, Pinellas County. I've always wanted to go up to one and said, did you know I was coming? Because if they don't get the first one, how are they going to get the second one, you know? Silly, silly, silly. Our friend, uh, Brother Walter, Brother Walter is the head of the Roma ministry. Brother Walter travels around trying to reach the gypsy. Brother Walter made hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars as a gypsy. And his wife was a gypsy fortune teller. And they just went around the country fleecing people. And he'll tell you. Uh, when he, how many of you remember Walter talking about how that, how that they would just fleece people hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of, of money. And it was just simple things. It was just tricks of the trade, things you could pick up easily. But people were so desperate to believe this, this future event that they were willing to, to give just money, money, money. And boy, Brother Walter said the Lord had to convict him of that when he got saved and how they had cheated people. Interesting, people want to know the unknown, but they spend very little time in knowing what they can know. Despise not prophesying. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 3. Paul writes, but he that prophesieth 
speaketh unto men to edification, to build up, exhortation and comfort. Thank God the, the Bible builds us up. It encourages us. It comforts us. Matthew chapter 13 and verse 14. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which says, By hearing ye shall hear and shall not understand, and seeing ye shall see and shall not perceive. The prophet Isaiah, he said, Hey, listen, I'm going to give you all the truth, but you're going to willingly not listen. First Peter, excuse me, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 19. We have a more sure word. We, all, we have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto ye do well that take heed, that take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place, unto the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation, for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 3, Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy, and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. Revelation chapter 22 and verse 7, Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. And he saith unto me, verse 10, Seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. At the last verses of the last pages of the last chapters of the Word of God, Revelation 22, I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, if any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book, uh, of the book of this life, out of this prophecy, excuse me, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. Now mark this and understand this. This is the greatest single thought that you'll ever have in all your life. You can believe the Bible to be the word of God. That, that, that's the answer to everything. Last night when we were witnessing to Maya and trying to explain salvation to her, I said, honey, it boils down to this. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, if you can't believe the Bible about that, you can't believe the Bible about anything. We've been dealing with Genesis. And if you can't get the first five words of the Bible, you can't get anything. In the beginning, God created. Everything comes from those first five words. Hey, I hold in my hand the inspired, infallible, preserved, very word of God. Now mark this and watch this. That's not popular opinion today. I was a boy in the beginning of some of these battles for the Bible that we, that we see now and and uh, boy, I mean, it was just, uh, we never dealt with it. Our church never dealt with the Bible. We never, we never had conversations about it. We, we ne Dr. Hudson didn't know anything but the Bible. He was a very simple man in a lot of ways. Just preached the Bible. I became a, a, a student of a seminary and all of a sudden got into all the Bible debates and all that. I, I, never, I never been around. So I had to figure out why I was or was not going to be a King James man. And so uh, I, I became very serious about that. If it was better to go, and back then we didn't have some of the newer things that we have now, but there was the RSV and ASV and some of the other letters. There's over two, by the way, over 2,000 modern translations today. It's crazy. And boy, it's confusing. 
I say, if you're a new member to our church, I say, I have a biblical conviction of why I use the King James. But, but if you don't share that same conviction, I can live with that. However, as the pastor of the church, I am told in Scripture to set in order the things in the church. And when we are together in service, whether it's the kindergarten class or the senior saints class or anywhere in between, we want to be on the same page. And you may not use this at home or whatever. That's your business and God's business. But here, we all say the same thing. We give the certain signal we are not giving uncertain sounds we're not making things more confusing than less we want you to have a clarity and an understanding that we believe the Bible to be the word of God so we're all going to be on the same exact page I was reading I give this illustration in that new members class I was reading a Rick Warren sermon Rick Warren's a very famous, uh, very liberal pastor now in California. But, but Rick Warren was, was a bit back in the late, late 90s. This is many years ago now. And uh, I was reading one sermon on marriage. By the way, excellent sermon. Excellent thoughts. Quoted, and by the way, I had the transcripts. I wasn't just looking at it or listening. I had the transcript of it. Quoted 18 Bible versions in one sermon. Read from 18 different Bibles uh, in one sermon. All the way from the King James uh, to the Phillips translation. By the way, if you know anything about the Phillips translation, he himself said it's not a translation. It's more of a metaphor. It's more of just, he said, I wrote it as a children's book for my kids. And I'm sitting here with a degree in theology reading a sermon. And I would look at his, 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 uh, his sermon point and I'd look at his sermon proof text and then I'd go look at the Bible and I'd say well that doesn't say this and I'd go to this and that and I, I was thinking to myself if I'm confused and I do this for a living what about the person who does not do this for the living uh, for a living what about the person who has not studied this out if he's getting all these mixed signals wouldn't he be confused and that's when I said for our church we're going to have a standard and that standard is going to be the King James Bible because even those who are detractors of the King James have no problem with the King James. Our issues, we both have, by the way, we both have issues. Their side has issues with us. We have issues with their side. Here's the difference. Our issues that they have with us are over these and thou's. The issues we have with them is over the virgin birth. Which one would be a little more important? Now, if... You have a problem in your Christian life. It is because of one thing and one thing only. You have not been fully persuaded you can trust the word of God. I, I tell you all the time, you know, we live in the Calvinism era. Many of our friends are going to the Calvinist direction. That's not something that we are. We believe that every man can come to salvation when the spirit of God moves him. But do you know that practically I do not deal with Calvinism as much as I deal with Arminianism. Calvinism is that some can be saved, but once you're saved, you're saved and you're really saved. You don't have to worry about it. Arminianism uh, comes from uh, Joseph Arminian. Again, there, there's pendulum swings. This is where Calvin went. So Joseph Arminian is over here, and, and we're just kind of in the middle. We believe what the Bible says. Arminianism is you can lose your salvation. Now, I deal in the common man issues of the ministry much more with people who think they can lose their salvation more than have I been chosen for salvation. Now, here's what I say to those people that 
constantly question their salvation. Does the Bible say a man can be saved or not? These things have I written on you that you may know that you have eternal life. Does the Bible say that, yes or no? So does the Bible say I can know? Yes. How does a person be saved? Call on the name of the Lord. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. That, that with the heart, man, believe. With the mouth, confession, man. When the Bible says this is how you're to be saved, and I do what the Bible says, it is no longer up to me if I've done what the Bible says. It's up to God. And if I can't trust God to keep his word, then really there is no salvation to have in the first place. The authority of the scripture in every matter of life and practice, you must go back to the authority of the word of God. The yeses are yes, the noes are noes, and it's all based on the authority of the word of God. You cannot, you cannot live your Christian life apart from believing the Bible to be the word of God. Where the problem comes is where you've been to, you begin to try to falsely or incorrectly interpret scripture. You twist it, you turn it. I've said this for years, I believe it with all my heart. Men do not come, men do not come to wrong opinions of the Bible from reading the Bible. They come to wrong opinions of the Bible from reading what other men write about the Bible. have a degree, I actually have several degrees. I'm four degrees, I'm for college. I'm trying to encourage all our staff who want to get advanced, I'm for that. But listen to me. You do not need a degree. You do not need a theological background. What you need is a salvation testimony and the Holy Spirit and he will show you the truth of the word of God. And I would trust an old mountain preacher that knows God and his word much more than I would trust some professor with a degree of letters behind his name a mile long. Because they cast doubt on the authority of the word of God. So these prophesyings we're talking about. Now listen, I will not give you a nickel for some Jesse Duplantis prophecy. Some, some name and claim. I literally saw, this is the God's truth. If I'm making this up, may God just finish me right now. I saw a guy the other day on the television or, or it was, it was on the, the web. He said, if you are in credit card debt and you want to get out of credit card debt, put a thousand dollars to our ministry on your credit card so you can get out of credit card debt. I thought to myself, you are full of something. It ain't the Holy Spirit. To get out of credit card debt, put $1,000 on your credit card for our ministry. And by the way, people get that money every day. Jesse Duplantis and Joel Olsen, all these guys. I don't trust any of that word of prophecy, word of faith, name and claim it. That is foolishness. That is garbage. I trust no man's word. I want to know what God's word says. I don't want to know what you say about God's word. And yet... My goodness, so many are conned in that. Now, that, that's the authority. So let's move to number two. The application of the prophesyings. The application. My favorite verse in all the Bible when I teach homiletics is Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse number 8. Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse number 8. This is what the Bible says good homiletics is. So they read in the book of the law, so they read in the book of the law of God distinctly. I love that word distinctly. That means clearly, distinctly. 
and gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. Now watch the three parts of that. Number one, they read the word of God. Number two, they gave the context of the word of God they read. Number three, they explained the meaning in context of the word of God. That's, that's good preaching. Read the Bible, explain the context of the passage. You cannot take a verse out of context. It then becomes a pretext. And by the way, if you take a verse out of context and it becomes a pretext, you can make it say anything you want to say. Let me give you a very simple one that our word of faith folks use. By his stripes we are healed. God's will is for everybody to be healed. In context of by his stripes we are healed, if you read it in the scriptural context that Isaiah writes it in, it is all about our eternal salvation. It is the death, the burial, the resurrection of Christ. We are healed from the sin that has afflicted us. It has nothing to do with you getting over your cough. I'm just claiming the stripes of Jesus. I am, but it's to get me to heaven. Verse out of context becomes a pretext. I can twist it. And by the way, that's where most of your word of faith people come from. Verses out of context. Let me give you the second verse. Second verse about preaching. Nehemiah 8.8, 2 Timothy 2.15. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed. Watch this now. Rightly dividing the word of truth. Rightly dividing. Two words you need to know about the prophesyings. Number one, exegesis. Exegesis. From the word exegesis, we find expository preaching. Now, what is expository preaching? It's very simple. By the way, you do not have to be verse by verse, chapter on chapter, book on book. All preaching should be textual preaching. All preaching should be textual preaching. So even if you're dealing with a topical sermon, you should deal with a text and then exegete the text on the topic you're dealing with. Exegete simply means this, to come out of. To come out of. So when you exegete a text, whether it's in a series like we're doing in Exodus or whether you're taking a portion to deal with a topic, you should bring the truth out of the text to yourself and then to the people. Out of. Exegesis means the word of God speaks to me and I speak the word of God to you. Second word, eisegesis. The word exegesis means out of. What do you think the word eisegesis means? I read into the text what I want it to say and I give you Probably good material, probably sound, probably okay, but it is not the text speaking out of, it's me speaking into. Now, I'm not going to go here because it's just too easy. Because all of us have been in services where the preacher read a text and then said something like this. Now, just set your Bible aside, we won't need that no more. And I'm going to share a few things. Now, by the way, he probably shared some very good things, very practical things, probably things that are true. But he was not exegeting a passage. He was giving you something into, not out of, the Word of God. Now, we, those name and claim it guys, we, we reject that. 
as independent Baptists, we've not been real good at this sometimes. Where we, we, we really need to deal with something. And so, bless God, we're going to deal with something. And we get our sermon together. And then we go try to find a verse to support the sermon we just wrote. And, boy, we'll hang some hide. Now, I'm for hanging hide. I'm a hide hanger. Amen. But watch this. We ought to be preaching the word of God. And out from that, God will deal with his people. I can give you hundreds. I mean, and, and all of us old timers, we could just, just start, we could start just uh, giving you sermon titles and, and, and great sermon. And by the way, some of them were great sermons, but there was very little Bible. A lot of, lot of good truth, a lot of opinion, a lot of psychological instruction, but very little Bible. Now, this is not my story, and if my mom was here, she would validate I'm not making this up. But I'm going to tell you this true story. It's, some of you have heard this story. Ira, I'm sure you've heard it. Brother Austin, I'm sure you've heard it. In the old days, there were two men that were kind of the leaders of, of fundamentalism. One by the name of John Rice. How many of you have heard the name John Rice? All right. My mom and dad worked for John Rice the last three years of his life from 77 to 80. Dr. Rice went to be with the Lord. His wife, Mrs. Lois Rice, probably one of the greatest Christians I've ever met in my life. John Rice led a ministry called the Sword of the Lord. Still in existence today, but John Rice led the Sword of the Lord. Famous evangelist, great revivalist. He preached basically two subjects, prayer uh, and soul winning. Well, it, it, three if you want to count revival, but he was a man of prayer, probably one of the great books that we've ever read on prayer, prayer, asking, receiving, but revival and soul winning. That was John Rice's thing. Now, along the same time, there was a man in Hammond, Indiana named Jack House, Brother House. Brother House God, God used Brother Howes in a million different ways. Tremendous blessing. The story is told, not by me, but by Brother Howes. Brother Howes told this story. He's an older himself. He said he called John one day, John Rice, and he said, Dr. Rice, what are you doing? He said, I'm looking at my Bible, reading my Bible. He said, really? He said, what are you reading your Bible for? He said, I'm trying to find a verse to prove the sermon you just preached. Now, that's a true, true story. Now, Brother Howes, great preach. Some of the greatest sermons i ever heard Brother Howes preach. But my point in telling that story, and I could tell it on me. I was thinking about this this afternoon. I was, I was laughing, thinking about some of the great sermons of the past that I preached. I, one of the first sermons I preached were the Golden Shields. The gold, how many know the story of the Golden Shields? So what happened was that David had had uh, prepared the temple and Solomon. He had all these golden shields and it was beautiful. And uh, now we come down years later and uh, the shields have been taken in battle. And, and, and the king, I forgot which king it was. You don't remember who? One more time. Yeah, I'm not saying that out loud. And uh, he, had, uh, he, had, uh, he, he wanted to, to, to have something in their place. So he made shields of brass. And they still shine, but they weren't gold. So I took that text, they took the shields of gold, and they put the shields of brass. And I remember preaching, uh, Mark, I preached the fire of this. Boy, have we replaced the golden shields? And it would be like somebody else, the golden shield of soul winning. And the golden shield of separation. And the golden shield of, of uh, supplication. And I, I preached it, and I thought to myself, that's a great, great sermon. We need to be soul winners, we need to be prayer warriors, we need to give, all those things. But not any of that came from that text. 
None of that came from that text. There's nothing about soul winning, about supplication, about any of that. But we just take a verse and we say we replaced it. It's a counterfeit. By the way, nothing wrong with the sermon, just not biblical. Now here's the deal. God did not promise to bless my sermon. God did not promise to bless my illustration. God promised to bless his word. His word. So the application of scripture is this. We must preach the word of God. Now, when the word of God is preached, that is between you and God. When I preach some thought, idea, philosophy, even some good psychology, that's between you and me. And here's the good news for you. Here's the good news for me. We don't have to give an account to each other. But when the word of God is preached, you have to give an account to God, not to me. That's why all of our Bible preaching, all of our Bible lessons, all of our our Bible, everything ought to come from the Bible. Show it to me. Either direct, thus saith the Lord. That's a precept. Thou shalt not. Next Sunday we're going to begin a study of the Ten Commandments. Hey, listen, thou shalt not. That's between you and God. That ain't my thought on it. Well, I think you should do that. No, God says do this or don't do that. You and I give an account to God. Why? He gave us a direct precept. Now, not always does God give us a direct precept, but God always gives us a principle. Always based on a precept. So even if we don't have a thus saith the Lord, we ought to be able to go back and say, hey, based on the precept, here's a principle. Therefore, my decision based on the precept from this principle is thus. Give your children an answer of why you do what you do. Modesty all the way through holiness, everything ought to be able to be explained from a principle or precept of Scripture. Not just, listen, back in the day, now this is a true story, back in the day, you, you've all been around a long time, uh, guys would get up and they'd preach against culture. And I understand we have, to, we have to fight against that, I get it. But listen, culture shifts so much, a Bible message can be preached in any culture, any season, any time. A cultural message, if you listen to some of the messages from the 70s, you say, what is he preaching about wire rim glasses for? Or cowboy boots or, or some other thing. You say, that's silly preaching. He's preaching a cultural message. Now, I can preach the same understanding of what he was trying to get across because I preach a Bible message and it's not confined to the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. Paul could come preach a Bible message today that he preached in the first century church in Thessalonica. But now you can't preach a message about hippies because most of your kids don't even know what a hippie is. Number three, the application of prophesying. Exegesis or eisegesis, out of or into. And by the way, you can make the Bible say anything you want to say taken out of context. And you use your liberty as an occasion to the flesh. Now number three, acceptance. Despise not prophesying. The acceptance of prophesying. The word despise here, and we're going to be done in four minutes. The word despise here means this, literally to set at naught. To set at naught. To disregard. To just set it, set it at naught. It means to ignore. Ignore. Despise not. Set at naught. Ignore. This morning we preached the gospel, and some people despised prophesying. Because they said it not. They ignored, I don't need to be saved. The Holy Spirit convicted people of specific things. They said it not. They despised it. They ignored it. 
The other option is to allow the prophesyings to direct. Now watch what the Bible says. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 2. For unto us was the gospel preached, as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. Every time the word of God is preached, prophesyings are proclaimed, there are some who set it at naught, despise it, and some who allow it to direct their path. The word is a lamp under my feet, a light under my path. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy path. The commandments, they're a lamp, they're a light, they're the reproof, they're the instructions in the way of life. Every time the word is preached, we despise it or it directs us. Hey, you need to take care of that. Larry, fix that. Yes, sir, Holy Spirit. Early, fix that. Yes, sir, Holy Spirit. Hey, you're doing great there. Let me encourage you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Word of God. We either allow it to direct us or we say, eh, eh. Quench the Spirit. You know how you do that? Despise prophesyings. God wants to speak. There's never a time. Yeah, you know, I, I, I always talk about this on Wednesday night. We're tired on Wednesday. We come dragging in, and, uh, man, we just don't feel like we're going to make it. And all of a sudden, the singing, the fellowship gets stirred up. And, and by the time I get to the pulpit, I'm ready to preach. Hey, I don't care if it's Wednesday night, Thursday night, Tuesday night, 2 a.m. on a Monday morning. If the Word of God is open, the Word of God is working. I don't care if it's my son. I don't care if it's a, a young preacher, uh, Brother Colin, newer to the ministry. I don't care if it's Brother Austin or Brother Guffey, uh, 50 years in ministry. If the Word of God is preached, the Spirit of God is working, the Word of God in our heart. And every one of us, every time the Word of God is preached, we either say, yes, Lord, show me, or we disregard, we despise, we reject, we ignore. Sadly, in my life, so many times I just said no to the Holy Spirit now, I've quenched him, and listen, I've found that when you despise and quench, it's not long before there's trouble, trouble. And you know the Holy Spirit just kind of pricks you a little bit, and you say, no, not today. And we give a million good reasons why. Not right now, not today. Even the day, I mentioned this morning, even the day that I got right with God, man, the Holy Spirit was dealing with me. I did my best to disquench that, to despise that, to put aside. Thank God I, I, I didn't stay that way. I went and made some decisions there. But I'm telling you, every time the word of God is preached, we either despise it or we allow it to direct our path. The authority of the word of God. Father, tonight I plead with you. Let, let this one great truth of my ministry, of this message tonight, be heard and be learned that we can trust the Bible. Oh, I remember years ago, my, my daddy holding the Bible to his chest and just talking about in a sermon one night how much he loved the Bible. Now the Bible had, had been used to change his life. And, and Lord, I, I hold that same Bible to my chest and I, I just say again how much I love this book. I'm not here to, to debate it or dissect it. Lord, I just want to declare it and, and let the Bible speak for itself. Please, Heavenly Father, help us to learn to, to receive the prophesyings. And Lord, let us never despise them. 
ignore them set them at naught you know heads are but eyes are closed we'll just have a simple prayer time tonight but let's just be honest just one minute we'll be done first step of getting right is getting lost right how many of you can say preacher there have been many a time that I knew the Holy Spirit was dealing with me 